0: 411 Live. Where well,
1: you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your oh, one, one
0: Everyone has a story. Your experiences, events, people shape my life, my story shape your life, your story. Well, I have an incredible story to tell you about. Just think about this. Imagine that you get married early, very young. You have 10 kids. The mother, you, stay at home, stay at home mom. The father is the breadwinner. Now imagine that the breadwinner dies and you have no job. Hello, everyone. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live Real People, Real Talk. The scenario that I was mentioning is real, and my special guest has lived it. Bridget Wilder joins me now. Bridget, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I am so excited to share my journey. And before I even start talking, the purpose of my desire of sharing this journey is I really want people to see it, it, that tragedies can lead to triumph. And sometimes people can get stuck in life. And I just want to encourage people that there are methods to come out of
0: a slump. Absolutely. Now, I just told just a brief little synopsis just to whet people's appetite. And I use the word appetite for a special reason. And we'll explain that as we go on. But you know the best part of your story is that you are using your experiences to help others, to help people through some some really tough things and through mind, body, and soul, which I really like. And Thanks. you have threaded the connection really, really well. So let's just kind of get into this backstory because it's like I said, it's amazing. You got married, what? Just at twenty,
1: yes, and uh my 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 story actually began when I was fifteen years old., ah. I was raped at the age of fifteen by a family member, mm. and one of the biggest components of my story is the insecurity that that led to, and my insecurity caused me to make poor choices without thinking, without without even knowing what I wanted out of life. So that ended up facilitating me getting married young because I was looking for comfort. I was looking for consistency. And I thought I can find it in a relationship. I thought I could get all of that clarity from that place, but I was still broken. And I didn't realize how massive the rape had impacted my life. So that's the beginning part. So... When I thought that me getting married, you know, I came from a wonderful family, mm-hmm. you know, we had small issues. It wasn't in relation to my parents doing me wrong. It's just that I was
0: raped. And I was raped one time too many by a family member. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I'm amazed right now. I'm just kind of taken aback because that's part of your story that I didn't know. Yes. And so it builds into now I'm going, wow. Yes. Wow. And, and it's crazy because
1: my storms that later came, and I can, I can segue into talking about marrying young. I really, I, I met my husband at church. Mm-hmm. I was seeking God at the time at 18, but I got distracted by someone desiring me. So my focus became, became more on that versus that godly relationship that I was looking for. So in my distraction, I got caught up in, Okay. Um, I didn't know that I was going to end up having 10 children. I, I didn't know that. But I had a skewed relationship with God in that I was just thinking that if I took the makeup off, if I wore only dresses, if I had the fruitful and multiply mentality, then I was winning over what God wanted from me. But all God really wanted was me and my brokenness, and he wanted to heal me. So not making this about a spiritual element, but that is a shared component of my story,
0: right? Right, and it's an important part of it. Yes. So, so you get married at twenty, right? Yes. I mean, at twenty, like at 20. I had just turned twenty, <laughs> November twenty second, and we got married December fourth,
1: and I was pregnant in February with my first um, child. So I didn't have time to breathe. Yeah. I um, I said in an interview that by the time I was 27, I hadn't had had 7 kids, but it was actually by the time I was 30, I had seven kids. Mm. And what ended up happening is I was still an insecure 15-year-old that had been raped, trapped in the body of what now is a mother and a wife. Now, in that journey, my husband got sick in his 20s he was about 27 years old when he was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and my child was diagnosed with leukodystrophy at the age of 6
0: oh my goodness
1: so we didn't know early on that my husband was sick he was still functioning and working hard so my focus was derived on my was really on my daughter and her sickness and she was having seizures and then she died on me
0: that's beatrice right
1: beatrice yes yeah, yeah. and when beatrice
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I. And I remember you telling me that you would go to the hospital and you'd go to his room and then go to her room.
1: Yes, um, it was around 2003. I never will forget. My hu- my husband was in Freighter Hospital and my child was in Children's Hospital, and it was it was Christmas time. My other children were with my mom, and I was going back and forth from Children's Hospital to Freighter, checking on both of them all while having a weight problem, you know, I was overweight and we're going to talk about that journey too. Um, but I just, I just was a mess, but I didn't know that those storms was building character and substance in me. And it was allowing me to see, and I didn't know at the time that I had so much strength in me. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know it. I always saw myself as that weak, needy person, which is is also infiltrated in my marriage because I was so dependent on my husband for everything, which is one of the reasons why I also married. I had a dependency problem. I I sought validation from people on everything that I'd done. Mm -hmm. And that came from a place of insecurity. So my husband was, he was the one that kind of, for lack of a better word, he stagnated my growth, but he didn't realize it. He was just being a good guy. Right. He didn't require more of me than to just be a wife and mother. But it, I still was a woman with all of that.
0: Right. So and, be, go, ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just just moving it forward a little bit. Beatri- Beatrice dies in what, 2006? Yes. Oh, okay. And yes, then, she died in 2006, yes. And then your husband dies three years later? Yes, in 2009. Okay.
1: And I didn't know, Beverly, that my daughter's death was preparing me for what would change everything else in my life. And when my husband died in 2009, and the doctors had done everything to try to retrieve him because they saw me and all these kids and me in a place of just shock. What am I supposed to do? I don't even have a job and he didn't finish the house and everything around me was a mess. And one of my kids asked me, mom, what are we going to do? And he and I didn't know. All I knew was, oh, my God, I only know to
0: trust God. That's all I know. But I didn't even know what that meant. Right. So he dies. You're grieving mm-hmm. and and panicking. Yes.
1: Grieving and panicking, that's, that's that's an awesome way to put it. I was doing both. And in that grief, I was forced, I, I describe it as being forced out of a cannon mm. because my life changed to the point where I had to keep moving even when I didn't know how to do it. So what ended up happening was, um, I've always had a passion for nutrition and I wanted to take care of my kids and I didn't want to be a statistic hmm. So my first step was I got me a job and I worked as a receptionist and did that for a while. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school. Good for you. Thank you. And when I went back to Mount Mary, I went to Mount Mary University, older student, only African-American in a dietetics program, overweight and challenging myself to push forward. And I didn't have the support that I needed. My Mary University supported me, but I had some issues in the dietetic program because um, this older student, African-American, for whatever reason, some of the students just didn't jam with that. And plus I had nine kids who right. wanted to work with that person. She's my study partner. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to be able to focus. I'm not saying that that's what they thought, but that's what it felt like.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And in that plight of going back to school, I graduated with honors. Wow! I ended up being the class speaker and I started a business towards the end of my journey at school. So now I have arrived to a place. My business is called Perseverance Health and Wellness Coaching. And I use the issues in relation to my life to help people navigate some of the experiences that I had.
0: So now go ahead. Well, I'm I'm thinking about um, you got a job as a receptionist. But you still have nine kids. Mm-hmm. Did you lose the house or were you able to keep the house or what was that like?
1: I did. I lost the house. Uh, but I will say this. At the beginning of that journey, my church fixed up the house that my husband had left me with. Mm-hmm. And they restructured it, but I couldn't keep up with the payments, lost the house. Just it, it, Things just got out of control. And me and my husband, me and my children ended up being homeless while I was still in school. Some of them were away at college. So that gave me some flexibility with some of them. But at the end of the day, I navigated going to school, working, being homeless, showing up with a smile in all of those places. And that was the first time I made the dean's list.
0: While you were homeless.
1: Yes. And then I had an aha moment, Beverly. And that aha moment when I reached a level where I made the Dean's List, I said, wow, there's more to me than I realize. Mm. So I had to pull from the inner part of me to keep pressing through the most difficult parts of being in school and navigating raising nine children. And in the beginning of my process, I worked a split shift. I uh, worked in the morning, went to school in the in the middle, went back to work and still managed to take care of my children.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, let's talk about this major that you the degree. Yes. Tell me again about the the degree, the choice that you made.
1: Yes, so my degree is a science degree with the emphasis on dietetics. And I also have a minor degree in psychology. So I infuse the two in my program to navigate all of these things that I do in relation to nutrition. And because And I infiltrated the psychology component because I had an unhealthy relationship with food. I was an imbalanced emotional eater.
0: Mm.
1: I ate my fears. I ate my doubts. I ate my low self-esteem. I ate what I thought was a mess of my life. And as I went through my own journey because I was my first client, I learned so much about that place that I realized while I was in school that it gotta be other people dealing with that.
0: Amen, <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and, and in my practice, I find that that is very true. Yeah, and I do corporate, community, individualized programs, and in all of those spaces, I find the same thing.
0: You know, I, I I'm just thinking about it because I had a weight problem in high school, of all places, um, and it was stress eating, parents got a divorce, you know, emotional eating. I wasn't hungry, but I was just eating, just going at it. And it's it's the emotions driving me.
1: Oh, wow. Yes. And and, and, and when I teach about it, I talk about the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger. And when we're in an emotional eating state, we tend to eat. I'm just going to throw just a little bit of nutrition. Okay. Uh, we tend to eat salty and sweet foods, comfort foods. Yes. And a lot of people are dealing with that right now during the crisis of COVID-19. They're in a place of a lot of unknown variables and don't even realize they're emotionally eating. It's just that life is happening so fast. And one thing about food, oftentimes is accessible. It's comforting when nothing else is there. hmm so food is not just food. Food is a whole being, But we need to understand how it impacts our life.
0: Okay, let's talk about the fact that you're a woman who knows what you're talking about because you were, what, over 300 pounds?
1: Yes, over 3 I lost 170 pounds. And I stand oh, wow. in that right now. I tell people when I joke about it, I used to wear a size 26. Now my waist is a 26.
0: Oh, man.
1: And I worked for that. I worked through blood, sweat, and tears. I'm able to, at 48 years old now, I'm able to run 10 miles. Mm. But the picture of that is this. When a person see that in me, knowing that I've had that many children, I like to show people that anybody can do that. If I can take charge of living my best life. And it's not just about food. It's just about recapturing who you were predestined to be. Yes. And if we don't deal with the core of us, we can never reach the best of us.
0: I like that. I like that. Okay, (laughs) keep going.
1: It's an inside job. Mm -hmm. My perception of who I am now, it influences what comes my way whether negative or positive. And because I was on the insecurity end in my life, I know what that brought me, that brought me pain, that brought me dependency issues, that brought me feeling like I can't thrive. But now that I'm looking at myself through a brand new lens, all I see is wins, even when there's losses. I I see my losses as something that leverages me forward because it gives me the push that I need when I can do it, when I'm homeless and I made the Dean's list, what drove that out of me? That pain introduced me to the purpose of me.
0: Yeah. And you also think if I did that, I can certainly do this.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly
0: it. Bridget, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that whole mind, body, soul dynamic and triggers as well. So we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back, stay with us.
1: COVID-19 has changed how we spend weekends with the girls. Now it's time to take the first step that lets us get back to brunching instead of late night munching. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts. As COVID-19 vaccines become available, you may have questions. Should I get it? Is it safe? Should I wait? It's okay
0: to have questions. Now get the facts at GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you.
1: Because the fight isn't over yet. You will see me choose to protect my community by wearing a face cover. And even with my face covered, You will see me as a son, as a man with a never quit attitude.
0: As a fighter for change. Join me in wearing a face cover to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. Because this is one small act of kindness that has the power to make a big difference. Welcome back to the 411 Live. I am talking with Bridget Wilder. She is, um, wow, she's a coach dealing with nutrition, body, mind, soul. She's an author. and I need to get that in there too because you've written a book, right?
1: Yes. I wrote a book called Why Me? A Question I Refused to Ask God. Mm-hmm. And that story just talks about my journey from tragedy to triumph. And it talks about the, the steps, the different layers that had to be unpeeled in my life for me to get to the core of me that I talked about. And how sometimes we underestimate, underestimate the value of a storm. Um, and, and I call myself victory in motion. I like that. that is that is that is what I am. Um when it looks like um you shouldn't make it but you keep going which is the title of my business perseverance. That means keep going against all odds. It's just a story of perseverance and the goal is to inspire and uplift people.
0: You know when I saw that that your business was perseverance and I thought, "Man, that is a that's the perfect title. That's that's Thanks. that's good. That's very good." So, you. you know I was thinking I I know people who have gone through the painful journey of bariatric surgery, you know, trying to lose the weight, um, mm-hmm. who have gone through it was success, they lost lots of weight, looking good, they're feeling good, they're smiling the whole bit, and then a year, two, sometimes five, all the weight is back on. Yes. And you think, what 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 happened? But when you when you think about the whole thing, you know, there's the body thing, but there's the mind thing. And if you don't have the mind fixed, your journey or the things that you do for your body may be sabotaged. Is is
1: that's, that a good way to put it? That's an excellent way to put it. And and what's so key about what you're saying is that shows you that it definitely is a psychological portion. Mm-hmm. In in my weight loss journey, I had many times where I yo-yo diet. I would lose weight after a child, 60, 80 pounds, only to gain it back because I hadn't addressed the reasons for my eating. And in my program, before I even touched on nutrition, I have a whole week where I teach the clients to learn their triggers, as you mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. I talk about triggers and I ask every client the same question. How bad do you want it? And I ask them that question so that they can see their why. Mm. And so that they can understand that it's a journey to enjoy, to get to it. It's not about, oh, I got to lose 20 pounds by by my birthday. No, I get to enjoy the process of self-improvement.
0: That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Okay, keep going. And whenever
1: you're at a place where you can self-invest, that's valuable. I want my clients to love themselves at whatever weight, because then you see the changes that you make. You're just showing yourself that you're worth it. Mm. I teach a, a, a portion in my program called decluttering your cabinets for weight loss success or nutritional success because everybody's not always looking for weight loss. Okay. But when I say that, people think I'm going to tell them take out all the salt, take out all the sugar, take out all the garbage. And yes, that's a component of that, but what I'm really asking them is, what is in your space that's sabotaging your growth? What are your triggers that you may not even realize you have? Do you have an uh, improper way of impl- implementing yourself in you, in, in your in your life? Is it all always about everybody else? Or do you even know how to include you? And I ask those questions because I want them to see themselves so they can understand that this is going to be a lifelong process because once you lose the weight that's one thing lots of people lose weight but if you haven't got to a place where you can keep it off let's deal with that why am i always gaining the same 20 pounds back what is going on and, and, and let me say this when we're dealing with eating habits we can eat out of happiness mm-hmm. as well as sadness we use food when we're planning for a, a wedding. That's a joyful place. I mean, we are we can be stressed, though. A happy stress, but stressed. Same concept applies when you're preparing for a funeral. Stress. Yeah. Stressful eating. So there are lots of different triggers. People get married and have a happy weight gain. You know, that comfortability place where you found your boo and now it's like, oh, (laughs) you don't put as much into yourself. So (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Variables. It's a lot of variables.
0: You know, you were talking about triggers and we had talked before. Um, I want to talk about this Valentine's Day thing because the Valentine's Day weekend I had called you Mm -hmm. and you were at a hotel somewhere. You'd gone away for the Valentine's Day weekend or you yes. know and you said it's because i know my trigger
1: yes so around valentines day i get very emotional it's been it's been 12 years since my husband passed away and well 12 years in november this year and i have gotten to a place now where i miss having a, a partner mm-hmm. so valentines day keeps triggering that so this year I decided I'm getting out of my house. I'm going to get the best clothes that I got in my closet. I'm going to do salsa dancing. I'm getting a hotel room by myself, although I'm going to meet up with friends. And I put a twist on Valentine's Day to just deal with me, the value of me. I was telling you earlier, um, just because we are not in relation a relationship doesn't mean we are not an entity. Mm -hmm. We are are enough, even without a partner. When we were created, we were individualized. So that doesn't change. I don't know when I'm going to be in a relationship again, but I do know I'm still with me. So Valentine's Day, I did a a self-investment project where I dealt with the pain of it. I cried when I got to my room. I let myself have my moment, but I enjoyed it at the same time. So we have moments in life where life still happens. Now, let's say I was on a journey for weight loss with that going on. At one point in my life, I would have ate ate all of that, all of those feelings, all of that emotion. I would have had the boxes of chocolates and all of that stuff. But because I have arrived to a place where I know my triggers, I have to restructure that. So I started sitting in my room alone eating. I went salsa dancing. I, I dealt with my tears. I watched my favorite movies. I did those things.
0: Again. So that,
1: that, that was how my Valentine's Day went. And boy, did
0: I enjoy it. Good for you. Good for you. Um, another thing that you were talking about was kind of um, identifying kind of those, sh- I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if you call this triggers, but focusing on everybody else accept you. Now we're taught to, you know, care for others, love others, provide for others. But sometimes in doing that, we just totally neglect ourselves.
1: Oh, wow. Yes. And and I can tell you from having so many children, it's like if I don't have time for myself, I drown. Mm. I teach my children boundaries when I show them that I do self-care. So when they see me self-care, they self-care. Beverly, my older children had my old weight loss issues. So some of them struggle with weight right now. Whereas my younger ones came in when the transition happened. Mm-hmm. But now one of my children that had weight loss almost lost 100 pounds. Wow. And one of my daughters has is at a 30-pound weight loss so far, older children. That's because they watch me transition. We communicate. We talk about the things in our life that are triggers. They have emotional eating habits, but we deal with it. But if I had not set that example, where could they go?
0: And you know, that is a really good point because the the people who come to you and your clients and you you coach them through this, you know, how That's- the mind affects the body and how you got to get all of this together to to really reach a sustainable goal. Um,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And as you're doing that, and of course, they're they're learning about good foods, healthy foods to eat, uh, packaging where it says that it's healthy, but it really isn't. So you need to stay away from it, all those things. But what they're learning, what they're doing, their example trickles down to the children. Like in your case, trickles down and the kids will develop a healthy habit because they're watching their example their parent
1: yes and also the other part about self care is oftentimes we use this phrase me time
0: mm-hmm. we go
1: get our nails done we go get our hair done that's cool but what about the stuff that i do within myself that's true self care i like you look at my hands normally i have my nails done they're not done but i made it to the gym Mm. I, 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 I I did what's most important so though my nails are not done today and I hate that it's like I'm going to talk to you in a way where oh my god I want to <laughs> use my head right here. but I feel so good because I took the time to invest in what I ate for breakfast I took the time to do self-care by taking care of my heart not just the weight, but my total being. And one thing I didn't tell you was I was once diagnosed with diabetes. So during the course of my transition, when I reached around a 65 pound weight loss, I changed the outcome of that. And I'm no longer classified as a diabetic. Nice. However, diabetes runs in my family. It's a genetic component, but the genetic component that we often don't talk about is what are the passed down history that of eating habits do we pass down? And we talk about family history and who had diabetes, but how did that family eat? Mm -hmm. My husband died, his dad died from congestive heart failure. His mother had issues with her heart and he died at the age of 37, his dad died. So, but they ate soul food, cakes and pastries every Sunday, That was the result of genetically past, well, not genetically, but history, Mm past history of eating behaviors that increased the risk to disease.
0: Right. Okay. Well, we've run out of time because we could sit here and talk for two more hours easily. Um, If somebody listening, they want to get in touch with you, they're like, I need this coaching. How do they get in touch with you?
1: So you can reach me, go to my website, perseverewellness.com and there you have access to my phone number and my email address. Also follow me on Facebook, Bridget Wilder. You'll see a whole lot about about me. I do a lot of nutrition stuff and my book is sold on Amazon and you can purchase from me directly. Um, So I would love to assist you. I'm on a journey to help heal the community by way of nutrition.
0: Very good. You know, I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's so impactful and so inspirational. So thank you, thank you uh, Bridget Wilder. Continue to do what you're doing because it's definitely needed. Thank you. Thank you for gracing me with your presence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Remember, we are a nonprofit organization, so if you're so inclined to help us out, go to our website, the411live.org, and we have plenty of podcasts for you to check out, so be sure to do that. But until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is The 411 Live. Real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.